Welcome to Chronicles of the End Times. This is Russ Galzo. So good to have you with us again today as we continue our look at the rebellion and how the enemy's plan has always been to rebel against God, as we talked about in the first part of the rebellion earlier. And so where we left off, we left off talking about uh, this person, Nimrod, and Sumeramus, his wife, and this so-called son of theirs, Tammuz. And uh, we're going to pick it up from there. Don't let any of this overwhelm you because it's history, and uh, there is so much written about this. And uh, reader beware that there is a lot of out there that is just mythical, and so you have to be careful where you pull your facts from. You could get lost in a trail that will lead you down the rabbit hole, as it were. Uh, So the point of these lessons are just to give us a glimpse and remind us and to instruct those who, who aren't aware of the enemy's plan, not only now in the day in which we live, but what it has always been. And it's important for us to know Uh, have this knowledge and not uh, walk around blind to the plans and the deceptions of the enemy. So let's pick it up where we left off. Nimrod and Sumeramus were really in competition with one another. Uh, They both wanted power. They were both extremely power hungry. So when Nimrod died, Sumeramus was concerned about how she was going to control the people. And pretty much all the writings point to the same thing. She was concerned about how she's going to hold this kingdom together that her and uh, Nimrod had developed. And so she eventually became pregnant. And no one knows by who. She was very promiscuous, as you can imagine, in one of the festivals or God only knows what uh, going on at that time to do with uh, the worship of her and her lifestyle. But what she created was this myth that Nimrod, who she deified as the sun god, the rays of the sun god came and touched her and she became pregnant. And she tried to tell the tale that there was no man involved, that this was Uh, the miracle that their forefathers had talked about from the Garden of Eden, this uh, son that's going to be born. You could see how the enemy uh, just continues to mock what God has done and what God prophesies will come to pass. And so her son, Tammuz, was supposed to be this great hunter like his father was a great hunter. And he went out one day to hunt and a wild boar gored him and killed him. And so uh, Semiramis decided she was going to make this a religious event and a religious cult event. Uh, she was going to have everyone mourn for Tammuz. And she told them that Tammuz went to be with his father Nimrod, the sun god, and he ascended to heaven. And so it became a tradition that the women of Babylon would mourn over Tammuz And they would mourn in the beginning of the year. And then it was said that he resurrected in the spring. So they would rejoice in the spring over Tammuz. You might say to yourself, well, 
how does anybody ever get sucked into this? How does anybody ever really believe this? Well, if you decide not to believe the truth, you're open to every kind of deception. In fact, in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, um, verse 9 through 12, it says that the coming of the lawless one, talking about the Antichrist, will be in accordance with the work of Satan, displayed in all kinds of counterfeit miracles, signs, and wonders, and in every sort of evil that deceives those who are perishing. They perish because they refuse to love the truth. For this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so they will believe the lie, so that they will be condemned who had not believed the truth but delighted in wickedness. Boy, that says it all. If we decide we don't want the truth anymore, then we're open to any kind of story, myth, legend that we want to grab onto, that our our, uh, natural spirits want to grab onto and believe. And so once we get to that place where we've totally rejected the truth and we want nothing to do with the truth, then God, in fact, allows us. He sends this delusion or he grants us the delusion that we desire. That is really probably the interpretation uh, as the Holy Spirit would have it. And God doesn't force a delusion on us so we can be destroyed. That's how God works. God is he's, he's compassionate, loving, and kindness, and merciful, and forgiving. But if we desire that delusion, then we will have that delusion. And so it's very, very important for us to realize how that sequence works. So in this case, Samaramus just convinced everyone she was now the queen of heaven. She had the husband who was the sun god. Now she had Tammuz who had died, and now he resurrects in the spring. And so they would begin to worship the spring and worship Tammuz as he would bring the the uh, early rains and he would bring the seed that would begin to rise up. And so it became a annual event. If we look in Ezekiel chapter 8, verse 14, it's an amazing story how God takes Ezekiel, who is in Babylon, being, you know, he, he's taken captive of with the rest of Israel, but yet God takes him in the spirit and brings him to Jerusalem and shows him what's going on in Jerusalem. And we pick it up here in verse 14. Then he brought me to the entrance of the north gate of the house of the Lord, and I saw women sitting in there mourning for Tammuz. He said to me, Do you see this, son of man? You will see things that are even more detestable than this. And so the story continues all the way from Babylon, all those years ago, and still these stories, these myths have grabbed the hold of the heart of the people because they refuse to believe the truth. They refuse to follow their God, which opened them up to all this foolishness and really uh, incredibly awful ceremonies that they used to have for these different gods. God warned them way back in Leviticus. We see that Nimrod, one of his names, as we've talked about before, was Molech, this 
awful god that they used to sacrifice children to and make the children go through the fire. They'd get on one side of the god and the other side, and they would actually throw their children through the fire, make them pass through the fire. And in some cases, they actually sacrificed them to this god. And the Lord warned Israel so many times. And the first time we see it is in Leviticus 18, verse 21. And he says, Do not give any of your children to be sacrificed to Molech, for you must not profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. Not only is he warning them against this detestable practice, but he's saying, don't associate me with this. Don't let people see that you're doing this in any kind of reference to me because you're profaning me. You're, you're, you're discrediting me and you're working for the enemy. God wants to pull people in and the enemy is trying to scatter them. So God is warning them, look, I don't want you to be anywhere near this and I don't want you to partake in it. And furthermore, I want you to crush all these images when you see them. God was bringing them into the land. And you can see the spiritual nature of this. This just wasn't God saying, okay, Israel, I really love you. I'm going to put you all together here as a nation. Then you're going to go in there and going to blow all these other nations out because I just want you to have the property. And I just want to lift you up. And I'm just going to do my thing here. No, no, no. That's that's how we think. That's the selfishness of mankind. Sometimes when you listen to people that don't understand, don't have the Holy Spirit to tell them and instruct them. Uh, what God was doing, he was pushing the demons of hell out. And he was using Israel. He was using Israel as his tool to push them out and to stop this horrific, horrific sacrificing, this human sacrificing and all this unspeakable sin that was going on because of it. He was telling Israel, look, this is what you're going to do. You're going to be a godly nation. You're going to be used of me, and you're going to push back the enemy, and you're going to dispel the enemy from this area, and it's going to become a holy land for me. It's going to become a holy ground, and you're going to possess it. You're going to be my children, and I'm going to bless you because of it. Does that sound familiar to anybody? Uh, Bring it up to today where we live today. Uh, Jesus Christ came and he's given us the power over the enemy. Follow me. I want you to read my word. I want you to pray. I want you to hear my voice. I want to talk to you and I want you to talk to me. And I want to use you to drive the enemy out of the land. And it's so important for us to grab this concept that we are to be used of God, to glorify God. And not only that, but to drive the enemy out of the land, to stop heartaches from that people are having, not just because of life itself, but on top of that, because of oppression from the enemy. And he's holding them captive, like we talked about in earlier podcasts. So know this, that there's more deep roots to these things than meets the eye at first glance. Semiramis had all kinds of names down through history. She had the queen of heaven. And you can look in Jeremiah 7, verse 18, and you can see how they were offering, Israel was offering gifts to the queen of heaven right there, right outside the temple. And we could see 
the different other names that uh, Semiramis had. Ceres, which was the god of growing things. And Gia, which was the god of fertile earth. And later on, she was called Diana, which we see in Ephesians. She becomes Venus and Aphrodite and all these names. They're all tied to Semiramis. They're all tied to this cult of fertility and promiscuousness. And eventually, this is where we get Mother Earth from and all those kind of Mother Nature and all these terms. They all come down from there. And you might say, well, that's innocent enough. Sure. I mean, most of the time, people don't know that stuff. They just, you know, they just say it. It's just something we say today. But in reality, it's still pulling away from the glory of God. I mean, I use the term once in a while myself. But we need to realize the roots of all these things. And it's important not to just stick our head in the sand. Once again, God wants to use you and me to push back the darkness so the light of Jesus Christ can reach people and heal people and mend broken hearts and give hope to those who are down and those who have no hope. And we need to reflect. Let's think about it. As I close this podcast, how are we representing God? How are we representing Jesus Christ? We may not be sacrificing literally our children to a God, a Molech, like Israel. But how are people associating your walk with God, with God himself? You and I need to think that over. And we need to make sure that we're representing Jesus Christ in a way that draws people to him. Because Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. This is Russ Gals for Chronicles of the End Times, saying thanks so much for listening. Today we hit 4,000 listens, and I appreciate you listening in, and I hope you're being blessed by it. God bless. Keep living for him.